The Nets won the fourth quarter, so it means they won the game, right? They finally go up in the final frame over the other team. They walked away with the W? Wrong. Another loss here to the Timberwolves. This one in semi-excruciating fashion once again. We're going to get into it all, but first, theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie. Owner-operator DFSR.com. If you need projections for FanDuel DraftKings, head on over to DFSR.com. Got you all covered over there. Make sure you also head on over to WeGotNets.com. We got a free ebook going over for uh, Net Stories, uh, five Net Stories throughout the history of the franchise. Going to be a bunch of other stuff coming on WeGotNets. So go to WeGotNets.com. Catch up on all the Nets action. It's totally free too. So go ahead on over there. No Adam Armbrecht on the show today. He took this one off. Good for him as we lament another Brooklyn Nets loss. This one here to the Timberwolves on Thursday, 96-94 in the game where the Nets reversed some of their fortunes around the fourth quarter. We're finally able to pull off um, actually outscoring another team in the fourth quarter after getting completely brutalized the last two games against the Clippers and the Knicks, where they just couldn't get anything done in the final frame. This one, they actually outscored Minnesota 20-15. to 15. Uh, I mean, an absolute rock fight if you ever saw one. Uh, in the fourth, to kind of put together something of a comeback, where uh, outscored the Timberwolves 46 to, to uh, 36 over the course of the second half. And they were able to pull back into the game. And we sit here and watch the game and as we do every night. And I'm sure you out there watching it as well, saying to yourself, oh my goodness, are they actually going to pull this one off? Are they going to storm all the way back against a very good Timberwolves team uh, who you know got into Brooklyn late, maybe just didn't have all their legs underneath them? Are the Nets actually going to be able to get off the schneid here a little bit against the team? You know, and sort of not have them on the ropes, but Definitely feeling near the end like they could pull this one off. Were able to get some key baskets, uh, and in the end, they were not able to do it. And this one's a brutal one too because the way it was kind of shaping up for a while, it did seem like the Nets might have been a little dead team walking. Uh, they were down double digits at times. They were really struggling on offense. But in the fourth quarter, they were able to get a ton of stops. They were able to force a lot of turnovers from the Timberwolves. Like I said, Timberwolves only score 15 total points in that final frame. And the Nets were able to get some, uh, you know, a couple key baskets. Uh, Dinwiddie, there's some nice threes by Spencer Dinwiddie. And it, excuse me, Bridges, some nice shots by Bridges and then some threes by Dinwiddie. Uh, we're going to talk about Cam Thomas for sure. Uh, he hit some pretty important buckets, was able to get to the line, and they're putting together a fourth quarter that very much late makes it look like they're going to be able to get back, get back into the game. And it comes down once again, like it seems to always do with this Nets team, come down to just the little things where they just can't seem to get over the hump. And in this case, it comes down to they actually get a foul on Mikhail Bridges, excuse me, on Jaden McDaniels on Mikhail Bridges uh, in the final shot attempt, a sort of discombobulated effort to try to get a shot up near the end. And it sort of by a miracle, 
one of the best defenders in the league in Jaden gets a foul, a legit foul. He knew he did it uh, on Mikhail Bridges in the act of shooting. And you're like, oh my goodness, here we go. They're going to be able to tie the game. Maybe we get to OT. Let's see what happens here. And Bridges bricks the first free throw. And that's basically the end. And to some degree, it feels like the story of what's happening to the Nets with the Nets season, especially of later over the last couple months now, where even, you know, they've lost some games where things have gotten away from them. They've won a couple here, but I mean, by and large, we know the story. They've lost way more than they've won, uh, basically, you know, since December. But even in the games where things are close or it looks like they have given themselves a fighting chance, there's just these little things that go wrong. Sometimes, you know, not using a timeout, uh, bad inbound sets, just gen- just in general, just like the, you know, the state of play during the game things going wrong these little things you know just sort of de- i don't even want to call it death by a thousand paper cuts but just not technically going through and doing the things that need to happen giving away leads in this case actually coming back and then we get down to it bridges isn't able to hit the free throws in, the, in order to send it to overtime and those are just the things that need to happen is it the only reason they lost the game of course not you know, there's many things that happen over the 48 minutes in this game that sort of leads them down this path to another loss. But as Nets fans and as we watch these games, we're going to tend to focus. And as you should, this is just the way basketball rolls. We're going to tend to focus on those things that happen in those final closing seconds, those things that would have, you know, either checked off a W or an L in the winner loss column when it's all said and done. And when Bridges misses the first free throw, your shoulders slump and you think to yourself, here we go again. How can you not? I mean, this has been the story of the season over these last few months, ever basically ever since that win in Phoenix, right? It's like ever since then, it's just been one thing after another, after another couple W's along the way, but for the most part, games like this games where they stay close games, where they look like they're going to, you know, keep in it games where they give you a little hope, like they can maybe pull something off. And that just ends up not being the case. I mean, so many times with this team, if you, you know, Minnesota here, they lose by two bridges, misses the two um, uh, misses the free throws at the end. We all know what happened in the next game where they gave it away in the fourth uh, on Tuesday. We all know what happened in the Clippers game where they gave it in a, gave it away in a huge way <laughs> in the fourth quarter of that game. Win against the Lakers. They lose that Portland game by two. They lose to Miami in lose to Miami in overtime. They the, the Cleveland game. Um, where they do make a little bit of a comeback when they're over in Paris, Portland and overtime the game before. I mean, this has just been the story, these close games um, where I don't even want to call them of the coin flip variety, but they're just not able to close out or just get over the hump in these close ones. And this was just yet another one. Again, tenor of this game a little different because for one of the first times, Nets are actually the team coming back. And, you know, giving you a little bit of a different flavor than what we've seen. But in the end, the result in the story just ends up being the same. It's been a really, really tough run here as we head into the trade deadline. There's lots of decisions to probably be made around where this team is. But if you're a fan that's been watching the games every single night like we have and, you know, talking about them every single night, still love talking about the Nets. Believe me, I, you know, checking every night, want to be able to see what these guys are doing. It does take some resolve to get yourself through stretches like this. We've heard it from the players. Uh, I haven't heard it from the coach a ton. We're going to get into some Jock Vaughn statements as well. But this is just sort of like this. It seems like the state of the team right now. It seems like this is just that it's just sort of almost predetermined. That's a tough place to be as a fan. 
It's a tough place to be when you're watching a team where it feels like the ending has been written before you even watch and you're waiting you're waiting for the next bad thing to happen. That's rough. It's it's a rough spot. And when you see Bridges miss that first free throw, it, again, it just hammers home this idea that this has been a really, really rough stretch, easily one of the worst in, in many years for this team. It's sort of wondering on a high, on a macro and micro level where things are headed. I think there's hope, you know, I think there's things that are probably going to happen here leading to the trade deadline. But right now, as we exit out of the Timberwolves game, you think to yourself, oh, <laughs> so close, and it slipped through the fingers. I want to talk a bunch about Cam Thomas here. I want to talk about some of the stuff that uh, came, uh, quotes from Cam Thomas before the game, also quotes from Jacques Vaughn as well uh, that gives some insight into sort of some of the stuff that's been happening here. I'm not sure it gives necessarily clarity, but at least gives uh, <laughs> gives a look into the process of about what's been happening to this team and maybe why some of the players on this team are increasingly frustrated. Uh, we'll get into that here in a second. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that our friends over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy's basketball host, Josh Lloyd, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Maybe you're prepping for a daily draft, you're scouting the waiver wire every week. I'm going to provide you with the players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. I got a bunch of good ones. Here coming from Josh Lloyd, Gigi Jackson, Memphis, uh, over at Memphis right now. Is but you think the Nets have dealt with some injuries and some weird stuff? I mean, my goodness, what's happening with Memphis? No Ja, no Desmond Bain, no Marcus Smart. Gigi Jackson been one of the guys that's really stepped up of late, getting a ton of not starting, but getting a ton of shots off the bench. Who's a guy we talked about during uh, the draft process as well. So Gigi Jackson, definitely a guy to add. Mason Plumley, he's starting center here uh, for the Clippers. They are working him in the mix with Daniel Tice, uh, but Plumley can kind of get the job done from a rebounding, grab you a block shot here every once in a while. So we want to take a look at Mason Plumley, uh, Jamari Walker starting at the four for the Trailblazers right now. A little bit of a flyer, but they are playing him next to Jeremy Grant, which is a really good sign. Uh, and he's been a, a really good, you know, sort of fantasy point per, per minute as guy as well. So check out Jabari Parker with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it with eBay guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus the prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Uh, get into some other aspects of the game. Uh, we'll talk. We know, might as well talk here about Cam Thomas. Uh, this has been sort of a, ended up being a net story during the day uh, with some com a well, you know a specific comment from Cam Thomas. Some talk from Jacques Vaughn too about the rotations and it's something we you know we've long wondered about sort of what the plan is around these guys and what what they're going to do going forward. And much to the chagrin of many Nets fans, Cam Thomas hasn't gotten as much playing time as, as people would have wanted. And tonight just ends up being sort of another example of, you know, if you're frustrated about the loss and you're frustrated about Bridges missing that shot at the end, and Bridges, you know, 8 of 18, 21 points, 2 for 8 from 3, sort of just struggling with the efficiency once again. And then you see Cam Thomas coming off the bench in that first rotation and kind of just light it up 25 you know, he plays 28 minutes scores 25 points grabs six rebounds three assists five turnovers um and so you know 
don't love that, but overall a plus six on the game and kind of does everything you want him to do. Gets to the line 10 times, 10 for 10 from the line. Like this is sort of just exactly the Cam Thomas experience, right? Like high volume shooting efficiency was decent. I mean, one for four from three, but you know, when you get to the line this many times, it's, it just really, really raises your floor so much. And these are just those moments where you just can't understand sometimes what's happening. He's basically the only guy that can score early in his first rotation. Vaughn takes him out on a regular rotation. They close with the starters. Um, you know, Minnesota ends up winning the first half, excuse me, the second quarter, 36-17 overall, though Cam's minutes during that time was like a minus one or something like that when he exited the game. Might even been a plus one at that point. So it was basically all the other combinations that were losing. And it's just one of these, such a weird situation with this man. So we'll get, we'll get to the part where he closed, but even in the parts, even in the, in the lineups he's put into, it's just sometimes hard to wonder how they're going to be super advantageous. So tonight in the, especially in that first rotation, he plays a lot with Dennis Smith Jr. And Lonnie Walker. Uh, I know that's, you know, with Gobert off the court towns did check back in for some of that. That lineup is so small it is so playing with fire on defense. It's just going to be so tough to be able to stop anybody. And I know that Cam has gotten dragged for his defense. I thought the effort was definitely there from him tonight. Uh, I think he does feed a little bit off the DSG, uh, DSJ uh, defensive effort, you know, where he's just at least very active. And it's just like, I don't know, if you're worried about Cam's defense and these are the situation, and these are maybe one of the problems of why you don't want him in the game, putting him in these combinations is like doesn't do anyone any favors. I just don't really understand it. Like the lineup is so small, it's going to have trouble guarding basically everyone from the point of attack all the way down. Like you're playing essentially Cam Thomas at the three at that point. You know, pick pick the guy, whoever's playing the three, you know, between these three guards. And they're they're rounding it out with you know, I think Royce O'Neal or DFS and then Claxton. So you have some rim, you have rim protection, but that's it. Like there's no way to help onto some of these guys. You're not getting uh, any alternative rim protection. Like you're just, it's just, if you're worried about the defense from this guy and that's maybe the major complaint and I'm not even positive it is, but let's just say that it is like, how can these lineups be helping him even in the slightest? So I'll just never, I just don't really understand it. They can, they did it a lot. They did it in the second half too. You're hoping, I know the, I know the probably the thesis is, we're going to hope to run and gun you. We're going to hope to outscore you. We're going to hope to get a bunch of looks because we're going to put mismatches onto your bigs uh, with these guys that can theoretically blow by you and Lonnie Walker and Cam and DSJ can do it. Dennis Smith Jr. can do it as well. But man, you just really, it's just catching a falling knife with what's going to happen on defense. And I just don't know if they're still to this day, like putting him in anything close to the best, like sort of, Combin like lineup combinations that are going to be able to just bring you know maybe hide a little bit of the defense and really accentuate the offensive talent. Ben Simmons looks like he's closer to return, like that does help some of the Cam Thomas stuff. But overall, you say to yourself, like, why isn't he playing more in the first half if he's like one of the only guys like it seems like he can score with any real efficiency slash um <laughs> like volume at all? And then, I mean, I guess they do make the change in the second half where they end up closing with him. Good for them. They still end up running out a lineup with Cam, the Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, they ran the small, the small guard lineup again. But then they also, when they were started to go, when they started to go into the closing mode, they ran Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas, Mikhail Bridges, 
uh, Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton. And we talked about this many times. That five-man combination is not just the worst Nets lineup. It's like one of the worst five-man lineups in basketball. It's horrible. I can't stop anybody. Um, they did it for – they started with it for a while. They had to go away with it because it's got totally just run over. They thankfully ended up making the switch from uh, Cam Johnson to Dorian Finney-Smith to try to handle Carl Car Anthony Towns, who was basically brutalizing everybody. And they, so they make that switch. It mostly works like they're able to kind of claw back into this thing. But it's just another example of like not putting their guys into the best situations or advantageous places to actually be able to pull things off. Vaughn talks about analytics. He talks about this stuff, but sometimes it's just hard to see. I mean, these are very basic things like these are these. This isn't even hardcore analytics. This is just like basically net rating and the sample size on this stuff is enough. I mean, it's enough minutes, believe me. So I know people have different terms for or things that they want to put under the uh, analytics umbrella and what like sort of exists there. It's not like this. These are the easy ones. Like these are basically the scoreboard. <laughs> like, and I know, right. Like sometimes we shouldn't always look at the scoreboard uh, and say that that's like the ultimate. I mean, it is the ultimate determinant of whether you win or lose, obviously, but sometimes sample sizes can say, Hey, like this is working. It's just like, we're getting unlucky here. Or they're getting lucky here, but like, there's just enough to know about this. And I just continue to be a total head scratcher around cam Thomas and the combinations that they, 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 that they want to put them in. And if you're on the Island, excuse me, it's not even an Island. Now, if you're among the nation of folks out there who are frustrated slash curious about what's going on with Cam Thomas. This game, again, will do you no favors. When he's one of the few guys that looks like he can score um, at all, when he can get to the line, when he can press the advantage against some of these uh, Minnesota bigs, right? Like Gobert, like Towns, like actually take some of these guys off the dribble, right? Get into their body, actually try to finish over them at times. Like none of the other Nets guys are able to do this. And for him to play, I mean, thank goodness he played 28 minutes. Thank goodness he closed, right? So at least we have that to hang our hat on. But still, to have it not, you know, even press into 30 minutes, to not keep him out there in the first in the first half, to have him, you know, just continue to rely on the, on, on the scoring because you want to go back to the starting lineup because that's sort of like NBA book 101 for some teams, not for all. It's just, man, it's just, it's frustrating. It's a frustrating experience. I, you can tell Cam Thomas himself is frustrated when asked before the game by uh, Lucas Kaplan, friend of the show about whether or not I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but Lucas basically asked him, he said, you know, uh, when you, when it comes to fourth quarter minutes and closing minutes, does it feel like it's something that's set and understood? Or do you think it's random? And Cam just said, it's random. That was it. Like he said, it's random point being message being, he doesn't know there's no message in his mind. It's not being conveyed whether, you know, sort of what the plan is on a given night. And if you're a Nets fan out there, that's been frustrated with this experience. It seems like you're not the only one. <laughs> it seems like the player himself is frustrated with this experience too. Um, and you know, is it a great look to complain about it? I, no, probably not. But I don't even want, I shouldn't even say that. I take that back. I, it's it, he's just being honest. I take it back. Okay. So I, before anyone drags me about saying him, he's just being honest. He was asked a question uh, and he answered the question honestly. So if I was going to, I take it back, whether it's a good look or a bad look, it's just a fine look. He answered the question. Honestly, Vaughn's comments um, sort of, you know, lend don't lend clarity, but that he talks a little bit about this, but overall, this is like, this just sums up the Cam Thomas thing. It's like he's scoring 
He's one of the few guys that's able to make his own, just make his own offense. And the team just doesn't, or sort of almost begrudgingly wants to play him. Like they kind of have to put him back into this game because they're down so many, they're down so many late in the game. And yeah, if you're, if you're among the Cam Thomas, you know, lovers out there and people that just, you know, really, really are huge fans of him. I know this has been a really frustrating experience and it just continues to be very, very confusing. I do want to get into some of the stuff that Jock Vaughn said about the situation and sort of like where his head is at though. Um, it's not, it's not, doesn't exactly lend a lot of clarity to it, but at least he gave, I thought it was like a somewhat thoughtful answer. We'll get into that here in a second. Before we get to that, I'll tell you a bit of friends over at Grammarly. Look, if you're doing anything that involves writing, uh, whether it's just like editing, like I'm doing every single day, whether you're just generating your own thoughts onto the paper, where you look, trying to get unstuck, um, you know, just looking at that blank page and can't even get started. Grammarly is here to solve your writing issues. It's there to support you from start to finish. 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that would, uh, to help you trust across all places where you're writing the most. Uh, and that right now, Grammarly uh, helps you do even more. One click, you can easily brainstorm. You can write and reply with suggestions, your contacts. You can get your goals going, uh, improve, improve your productivity. Look, I'm using, I do this all day long. I use Grammarly Premium. I've been using Grammarly Premium for years now. I said this on the show the other day. My wife showed me an email that she wanted uh, me to help her with. She just brought it up on her computer. And I was like, hey, why is Grammarly not on this? Grammarly found like 12 mistakes or just improvements, right? It was like mistakes slash improvements in this email that she had written. If you're doing any of this stuff, you have to put Grammarly on. It's just, it's going to save you. It's going to get you started. It's going to save you from looking silly with some of that mistakes. It's just going to improve what you're already writing. Maybe you got a big presentation coming up. You can create personalized outlines. You can transform your ideas into compelling presentations. It's all there for you on Grammarly. You go to Grammarly.com. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. Grammarly.com slash podcast. Download Grammarly for free. Once again, Grammarly.com slash podcast. Download Grammarly today. All right, we'll close it off here with some of the stuff that Jacques Vaughn said. And look, I know we're doing some post-game podcast here, but I think this stuff is important to talk about as we head into the weekend about sort of what's going on here with the Nets. Again, it's a loss. Two points to the Timberwolves. It's brutal. We all wish it didn't happen this way. There's a, a bunch of different reasons why. We talked about the Cam Thomas piece. Uh, you know, we talked about Bridges missing the shot at the end. And there's some nice moments here. Dinwiddie hits a couple nice threes to get them back in in the fourth. You have to, I, th I thought, really liked what we saw out of Claxton for the most part. 16 and 11 held his own in a really tough assignment here, having to cover for, you know, one of the best two big man tandems in the game in Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. I thought overall he played really well, was asked to switch a, a bunch here onto Anthony Edwards as well. You know, look, in, in total, the Nets held the Timberwolves 96 points. I think the defensive effort uh, was for sure there, which is what makes the whole situation even more frustrating. But mentioned here that, you know, Jacques Vaughn was asked before the game sort of to respond to the Cam Thomas quote from Lucas uh, Kaplan, uh, where he mentioned that it was random. And then Eric Slater asked them, you know, or posted one of uh, posted Vaughn's reply when it when asked about it right like and he gives a really long answer and i just suggest you go and read it yourself because i it's really a tldr it could be a tldr thing for you i, I read the whole thing um and i'm not going to read the whole thing here but in essence 
he starts by saying all these guys have their ability to answer the question. I think the best part is you don't have to answer questions. I don't have to answer questions to you guys before I have my coffee in the morning. So sometimes the answers are what they are. I think meaning that that I took to mean that like maybe Cam spoke out of turn in his mind. Okay. Uh, Vaughn goes on to say he's pretty open. He doesn't tell the media anything that he hasn't told a player. Um, and then he goes into some of the decisions that he made. He talks about, you know, the guys that finished first, the, the Clippers versus the Knicks, and he has to judge what's needed in that game. And he talks about, like, putting Dorian Finney-Smith in on Julius Randle and just the things that he has to do there. And then he talks about guys, how some guys are, if there's going to be an advantage offensively or if there's going to be, you know, offensive-minded guys or defensive-minded guys. He mentioned Spencer. He mentions Dennis Smith Jr. About his tenacity and nastiness uh, on the floor. Um, and and he's still talking about, he's like, no one's excluded from the, like, the ability to be able to play. It's, he says he's being open and honest about it. And the way the group's built, it's not uh, maybe sometimes obvious that, it should be like these five guys. And he even actually mentions like the Clippers. It's like, Hey, it's always going to be Kawhi and Paul George and James Harden. They're always going to be on the court. And he's saying that the nets aren't a position where they always are going to know. I mean, it's basically, you know, that Mikhail is going to be out there. I think most times you know that Claxton's going to be out there, but then he says there's nights where cam Johnson has made shots and not made shots. There's been nights where cam Thomas has made shots and not made shots. And so he, and he really gives like a really, really long answer. And I, you know, covering the team and, Talking about the team, I appreciate answers like this because they are they at least do give it like a, a look into like at least the thought process. Do I agree with everything he said here? I you can't I, because it doesn't actually even feel like that's always what happens. Because with Cam, like again, like there's been we've seen many situations where he's scored a bunch and not played. So I I appreciate that the the thought and care that goes into the the answer here and this is a much longer and in-depth answer you know actually naming guys than you'll see from a lot of coaches you know if you read coach stuff this is just not usually the typical kind of answer at the same time i also don't think that this is actually what's happening each time either i i don't know if like this is the kind of like way that they're searching for answers on a night to night basis. I thought tonight was sort of just like another good example, right. Of, you know, maybe you're stuck in your one rotation that you want to do. And maybe you want to say, hey, okay, well they made the change late in the game and kept cam Thomas in. But I think we've just seen too many examples over the course of the season where that just really hasn't been the case. And so I understand what he's saying sort of on a player level where there probably isn't sort of a superstar hierarchy. It's like really set in stone. Like if you look at the next, it's like, Hey, look, we're closing the game minimum Brunson, Randall, OG, right? When Hartenstein, when he's playing, is like is gonna be out there. We're gonna mix and match like the the you know, Dante DiVincenzo or Josh Hart or something. But like we know three of the guys, no matter what. And the Nets, I think what he's saying is like they're it's not totally clear. Now, is it on the coach to find clarity among that? Probably. Is the is it among on the GM to have un, put enough talent on the team? to make it very clear probably we knew this is a transition year for the nets overall but i found this answer while long i did find it to be like maybe inadequate or just not actually a reflection of reality right and i don't know this is just sort of where we are and i thought this game was just another kind of example it was a little bit felt a little bit less helter skelter in terms of the lineups but you know if we're going to continue to go back to like the idea behind what cam thomas's role is or how the how the team sees him sort of going forward i i'm just not sure that this answer really cuts it and it just it may be a continued problem and maybe there's continued evidence that like things are just not right with the nets we've seen 
more and more examples of this, right? Like Cam Thomas frustrated with his minutes. Mikhail Bridges clearly frustrated, like frustrated after the Knicks loss that there was you know, Knicks fans there and he was frustrated with the Bucks situation when they sat everybody, right? We've heard rumblings of Spencer Dinwiddie being unhappy for a while now, right? Where it, like maybe he's looking like he's not, you know, he hasn't played to the sort of the same levels that we've seen in the past. So maybe there's just like lots of, sometimes there's just enough smoke and maybe there is an actual fire here. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to totally tell, but I'm just not sure while I, while I appreciated the answer and the length of the answer, and the specificity in the answer, I, I'm curious about how the players would see it. And I'm also curious if like it actually reflects the thing that's actually happening for the Nets, because I'm, I'm just not sure that it is. And I do worry, and we talked about this many times, that the Nets go into many of these games sort of not knowing what the overall plan is going to be. And maybe that's the situation that we saw here with the Timberwolves also. So another rough night in Nets land. we got to keep our heads up. Look, trade deadline coming up. Still some did see some good stuff uh, coming out of this game for sure. Even though the losses are tough, I think we can always look back and say, hey, let's try to grab onto this thing. Let's try to grab on the, you know, Cam Thomas's points. Let's look at the game that Claxton had, right? Hey, Dinwiddie, a little shot in the arm there from Dinwiddie near the end. They're worse than things happening, but a loss is a loss. And I know usually at the end of the day, we're going to look at the WNL column and decide whether or not the game was a success or not. And that makes sense. All right, we are going to get out of here. Uh, much appreciated everyone that has been jumping into YouTube. Usually we do a YouTube live after the game, a little tougher for me when it's, uh, when it's just, just rolling it solo. So that's why there was no live tonight. As a reminder, make sure you go to, we got nets, grab that free ebook. It's good stuff, man. We, Adam and I took a bunch of time with that. Really had a lot of fun writing it. Just looking back to all this different stuff that's happened in the sort of Nets history. And we got a bunch of other stuff coming for We Got Nets as well. So make sure you just go over to WeGotNets.com. Everyone likes something free. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube as well. We always get to the end of the podcast where Adam has come in with some amazing quote from one of the all-time great poets. But I always forget. And that's on me. So we'll just say once again, Adam Arbrecht, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.